on digital radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Facebook. The Sportscast. Expect the unexpected. The Top 25 Rundown presented by The Sportscast. This is the Top 25 Rundown. And here's your host, Alan West. Good evening and welcome to the Top 25 Rundown presented by the Sportscast. Today is February 28, 2024. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on all your channels, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TV, and Apple Podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. It'll help us out tremendously. We are also on DAB Digital Radio. You can listen to us on your smart speaker, play Sportscast. Visit us on thesportscast.net. Also follow us on Twitter at Sportscast1. And check out our app, the Sportscast, in the iOS App Store. Hello, my name is Alan West. Welcome to the Top 25 Rundown. Normally, we would focus on sports and the uh, rankings and whatnot. But today, I am lucky enough to have Andre Gisbert, former college football player and uh, jack of all trades, so to speak, in regards to football. And uh, he is kind enough to give me some time so that we can get kind of more in-depth about college recruiting and how it's changed from what it used to be to what it is now. Andre, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm having a great evening. How was your band? Uh, how was your band event? It was great. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, I was going to try to start on time, but family first, and that way we could talk about this afterwards. Because you only get with children only so small, as you know too, right? Hey, man, I get it. Uh, as someone who puts in sometimes sixteen hours a week, seven days a week, uh, you know, sixteen hours a days. Seven days a week, 40, 40 weeks out of the year. I get it. <laughs> and actually, we uh, so we're going to have our other uh, my co-host Bob's jumping on as well. Uh, this guy, I think he'll give you a run for your money, Andre, just for how he does his things, being a jack of all trades as well. But he. I'm thankful he is able to come on as well. So, just because he is our, uh, since I'm the Ohio State person, he is our resident Duke fan. Oh, goodness. Two, but, sc- oh, two schools I have no love for. <laughs> it's okay. All right. But I respect them. I, I do respect them. <laughs> Bob, how are we doing tonight, sir? Um, we're here. I understand, sir. Uh, like I said, I started the show late because uh, I had a band concert, but we have uh, Andre on tonight, and he's going to uh, help us. Remember how you and me have talked about in the past, like at the end of football season and a little bit in basketball, how I talked about recruiting yep. and how I've been trying to understand more about it? Yep. Andre was uh, kind of to give us some time so that he could help explain it to us just because how we were trying to understand not only for the transfer portal, but just how high school recruiting is. And uh, I got to talk to Andre about it on Thursday 
And one of the things that he brought up to me was uh, for Ohio State, when you were talking about recruiting. Yes, sir. So what you talked about last week for the main players and the other players, can you go, can you explain that again? Okay. So uh, I'm going to talk about Ohio State because I'm a little knowledgeable about what they do. I'm very I'm very knowledgeable of what they do uh, living in Ohio and also having friends who work there. Uh, so imagine the season ends, bam, they just finished. Uh, they just finished their game against Michigan. doesn't matter where it is. Immediately after that game, they need to spend that week recruiting their own players again. Because the transfer portal allows those guys to declare whether or not they're going to uh, transfer. Today, we're just talking about Ohio State as a an example of what's going on. Manny Diaz is going to run into that at Duke. Uh, Mario Cristobal runs over oh, runs into this in Miami. I could only speak about what they went through at Ohio State. And not as an authority, but as someone who heard what happened. So they went ahead and they literally had to re-recruit their own players to try to keep them on board. Because you had some guys rumbling saying, I want to go somewhere else. You had some guys rumbling that maybe uh, since the coordinator's changing, we need to go somewhere that's going to cater to my uh, to my strengths. Uh, that I'm going to have a coordinator that, that's playing to my strengths, this, that, the other. You had guys that were rumbling that they weren't making enough money on the NI, uh, uh, with NIL. So if they go into the transfer portal, they can renegotiate their NIL deal and then come back. It's, it's almost as every year is freaking free agency with these kids if they don't transfer out. And, and, and you got to understand that that is – uh, when Nick Saban says it's it's pay for play, or when Lane Kiffin says it's pay for play, it really is at this point at the highest level of football. Uh, it's not necessarily just the highest level of football. It's happening at the at the more elite schools, such as the Power Fours, or oh damn, sorry I didn't realize it's I I, did, uh, I had to turn off the timer on my. Uh, on my lights here. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. That's okay. No uh, worries. But uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I could say that there's five to ten uh, FCS schools, which is the, the four, uh, you know, Division One AA that they have collectives, mm -hmm. and those collectives are having to help the coaches re-recruit their own guys because now there's game film on these guys that are elite FCS pro, uh, within their elite FCS programs. And now they can market themselves to the P4. I was at Youngstown this past season. They, we played very good against Ohio state. We had a guy who pretty much contained Marvin Harrison jr to under a hundred yards, which was unheard of. Nobody else did that this year. And he's now at South Carolina. 
how does a guy from Youngstown State end up at South Carolina? He's got game film. He's got he's marketable. You could do that. You can't do that. You couldn't do that ten years ago. Heck, you could even do that five years ago. But now you got you know you got schools at, at the P five level looking at the mid majors at the group of five guys. You got P five schools also looking at the FCS uh, guys and seeing what's good out there. Because now that's a proven commodity. You're not, you're not looking at a kid, an 18 year old kid, wet behind the ears, who might just crap the bed when he arrives on campus. Might actually turn into a jerk because he doesn't understand that football is a profession when you're in college. It's not a hobby, and it, you know doesn't just can't get with the with the program that football is 50 hours a week. Not even though the NCAA says it's tw- uh, no more than 20 hours here and 12 hours there, and dude, it's 50 hours a week. I don't care what anybody says. These kids are putting in 50 hours a week, okay? So plus their education time. Now, with that being said, now you're looking at proven commodities. That's why you're not hearing about so many high school kids getting recruited by D1 schools. Now you're starting to see the D2 schools thriving and getting a lot of these mid-tier, upper-tier, upper-echelon guys going to their schools. That's why the HBCUs are recruiting so well, because the HBCUs are truly recruiting guys out of high school. So that's the first tier of recruiting. The second tier of recruiting is actually recruiting what's out there. Okay, the first tier was recruiting your own guys and trying to retain your guys that you want to keep. The second tier is knowing who's on the transfer portal that you've kept, that your position coaches have kept tabs on, seeing who's unhappy, seeing who's going to work in your scheme better, and trying to get them on your campus as soon as they declare that they're in the transfer portal. Now, they don't have to declare that they're in the transfer portal if their coach gets fired or if their coach leaves. Okay? Immediately, once the season ends, if the coach has got, uh, if the coach was fired or the coach leaves, that kid is eligible to be contacted. He doesn't have to be on the transfer portal to be contacted. Okay, Hmm. there is a gentleman's agreement to go ahead and be able to and not contact a player until he declares for the transfer portal. But if the coach leaves, the rule doesn't exist. Okay, now here's the sad part. The kids are playing the game by keeping in tabs with these coaches that were recruiting them. And they're keeping uh, they're keeping open lines of of communication. For instance, there was an f- offensive lineman out of Alabama uh, in Alabama who was keep uh, who admittingly admitted that he was keeping uh, in touch with a particular position coach who's now the uh, offensive coordinator for Iowa. So he transferred to Iowa. How does a guy from Alabama end up at Iowa? Well, turns out 
He made a connection with that coach. That coach now is in Iowa. Saban left Alabama. Kid could leave at free will without having without having any uh, declaration issues. Interesting. That's that's uh, so that's the second tier of recruiting. The third tier of recruiting is now the high school level. And you're saying, well, that used to be the big grab bag. It's not anymore. So unless you're a P5 who's willing to go ahead and bring in a kid and burn a scholarship and seeing if the kid works out, most most schools are being extremely choosy now with their scholarships. And it has nothing to do with the academics. It has more to do with the fact that these coaches, all coaches, we have a pressure of win now. If we can't win now, they're going to find somebody else. So the project player, the program player who develops into something, there's less there's less coaches that are willing to gamble into that. And that's, and that's sad. So that's why you're hearing about all these FCS schools that are getting guys that wouldn't, they would never get before. And a lot of these HBCUs that are getting guys that they would never get before. Now, what I tell parents all the time, I just literally got done this uh, this evening having this talk with an athletic director of a local school here you gotta instill better grades because if they're going to a division two or they're going to a division three now they have to be packaged there's no more uh, you know the full scholarship era in d2 doesn't exist they're allowed to split them so since they're splitting them they're packaging these kids so you need to make sure that those kids have great grades so they can get academic fun, uh, funding. If they can get an academic scholarship, they can match dollar per dollar with that with the athletic scholarship, and maybe now the kid's going for free. Mm, okay. But you know, now we're asking kids to actually go back to school, uh, go back to the class and actually uh, learn something. So if they got an IQ of sixty, we got we're in trouble. Now I know I, I did a lot of talking there. I know I did a lot of talking there, and it looks like Bob is researching a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so Bob, I'm actually so googling. We... How can I be as smart as you are? Oh, I'm not smart at all, bro. <laughs> Bob, from what Andre just talked about, do you have any questions? Um, you know, I mean, I think that it opens up a lot of eyes about, you know, the portals versus the high school. Um, I mean, you know, no. So I I, don't, I, I think he did, did an outstanding job of laying it out right there. You understand how the, how that the, recruiting your own guys, the guys that are in your locker room, have become just as crucial as the recruiting the guys that are outside. I understand it's not college athletics as it was when I was growing up. No, I mean, <laughs> heck, I didn't have the opportunity to transfer out. I was a, 
uh, I, uh, after my, after my sophomore year, I wasn't allowed to transfer out. I was at the air force Academy. If you don't transfer after your second year, you're not transferring at all. Yep. Unless you want that dishonorable discharge. That's negative. So, um, yeah, no, that's not a good DD 214. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I've heard stories about that. And yeah, no, that would not be what you wanted. But the thing that I've noticed when I've been watching uh, different things for recruiting, now you mentioned about how even with the recruits, even though you see about the high school ones, you don't realize that some of the recruits that are gotten are the ones who have gotten the fifth year from certain schools, and then they've been able to use that as their way of being of committing. Okay, so that's uh, that's that intercollegiate uh, scholastic prep uh, thing mm-hmm. that's happening in certain areas. So, for instance, there is in Virginia. There's a place called um, Milford Academy and uh, Fork Union and a mm-hmm. couple of others in. Uh, uh out there uh in north carolina there's uh there's another one i think it's called lewis uh lewisburg prep uh in georgia there's georgia military academy there, there's there's different ones in different places mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh uh and basically what those uh students have done is they they didn't score good on the sat uh, they weren't able to score good on the sat or the act they weren't. Oh, their their GPAs weren't amazing. They're not setting anyone's hair on fire, but they're good athletes. So what they did was they're just not accepting their high school diploma. They're leaving it open, and now all those classes that they got C's and D's in, they're retaking during their fifth year of school. Now during that fifth year of school. That's usually coming out of mommy and daddy's pocket. But it's also FAFSA eligible. FAFSA being the federal uh, uh, federal aid. They could start receiving mm-hmm. federal aid when they do this. So they could mm-hmm. already get the same amount. Or they get the same amount of eligibility as if they went to a junior college, except without going to a junior college. And they're going ahead and they're keeping their for they're still able to keep their collegiate eligibility and still and and fix their academic situation mm-hmm. whereas some kids that's not an option they rather just go to a junior college and now they're starting their uh their their student athlete clock and if you notice, I didn't say that they're doing a whole lot of recruiting in the junior and the junior college market anymore. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is acceptance into Division Two changed after COVID. Uh, it used to be you had to meet three out of four criteria to get in. In other words, you had to be. You had to have a certain GPA to get in. You had to uh, you had to be graduate a certain level within your school to get in. You had to uh, now. It's almost like there's a back door for student athletes. There's preferential treatment uh, ac- uh, acceptance, and, and in, 
and someone's going to give me a phone call because I have a lot of D2 coaches that are that are probably going to watch this and say, dude, you're letting a cat out of the back. No, it's the truth is the truth. They're doing it for the track athletes. They're doing it for the basketball. They're doing it for baseball. They're doing it in football. They're doing it for volleyball. Why? Because student athletes graduate at a higher rate than the regular mm -hmm. student. Okay? So they are recruiting uh, – in a lot of cases, these, these Division twos are recruiting for enrollment. So – Mommy, daddy, you got a you got a football coach or a basketball coach telling you that Johnny's going to play for their school. Understand this. Johnny might play center guard and tackle, but he's sitting in the center of the bench, guarding the water and tackling anybody who's going to mess with the water. OK. But he ain't playing on that field because he needs uh, because that coach needs three guys who actually pay for their tuition. To cover one guy's full to uh, full tuition, I know that game. I used to play it. Okay, I used to go ahead and tell people, "Don't worry, jo we're going to take care of Johnny." And I took care of Johnny, but Johnny, uh, Johnny could barely hold a, a jock strap. But I knew Johnny was going to get some academic money and make it a little cheap for mommy and daddy to pay for school. And, and that's the and that's the god honest truth. In a lot of cases, there's a lot of schools that the reason why they have 20 af, uh, athletic uh, programs is because student athletes graduate at a higher rate than the regular student body. I believe it. Um... Trying to think of how to word this just because when you're seeing recruiting and just as you're having to do you're watching it through all the different levels um i did see that yesterday ohio state did do uh self-report for violations which uh, i don't know i read them and one of them was uh brian hartline one of the uh recruits he had a picture that uh, I guess they had made for him. And I guess yeah. he gave that to the recruit. And so he uh, he self-reported that, which in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not going to be very bad. But the thing is, just with how that is, since you've been dealing with recruiting as much as what's been going on, what do you think about how the... I'll just say it. How do you feel about the NCAA dropping the ball? Because that's what they've been doing. So understand this. It's not that I hate the NCAA. I hate the presidents of these institutions that refused to let the NCAA try to get ahead of it. Okay. The NC everybody sees the NCAA as the vicious bad mafia, okay, the collegiate mafia, okay. Yes and no. Keep in mind, they're just they're just they're just doing as they're told to do by university presidents, okay. So if you're the if you're the university president 
of a D1 school that doesn't even have a fully funded football program, such as, uh, such as let's say, Davidson, University of Davidson, which is a pioneer school football program. Your vote is the same as a Penn State, Ohio State, or any other Big Ten program. I, I, I say that that's BS. Why should a, a school that could care less about football tell me how to run football? Why should a school that obviously doesn't even have a fully funded volleyball program tell me how to run my volleyball program? And that's what, and and that's why. Uh, uh, that's why it's gotten to the point where the P4, they're going to break to their own league and they're going to just tell the NCAA, we're done with you. And it's not that it's the NCAA is the enemy. It's the composition of, of the structure of the NCAA. Okay. At one point, the NCAA was the boogeyman. Okay. I was the guy who used to say that they're the mafia. They're always, looking for what's wrong in this world. It took 10 years for me to realize they are being manipulated by school presidents who hire compliance people to make rules for the rules for more rules. Okay? I I don't care if if this person feels like I ran the bus over them. If someone figures it out, I was at Kent State University. Signing day happened. What does everybody do in uh, for National Signing Day? They put the highlight videos of the kids that they just signed. Out of nowhere, I get a phone call at ten o'clock at night. Andre, you need to take down all those videos because they say huddle on the on the video. Either that or remove it. Now, I'm a half-smart guy who knows I can't remove the watermark that says huddle because that is huddle's intellectual property. That's one. Two, I look at everybody else, what they're doing. They're not removing it either. Three, I didn't have to do anything special to find this kid's videos They're on YouTube. Four. Why is this person making an issue out of a non-issue? So I told that person, I don't care who the heck you think you are, unless the athletic director themselves tells me to take it down. I don't trust your judgment because no one else in Division one is doing this. Come the next day, I'm being reprimanded by an assistant athletic director, not the head athletic director, by an assistant athletic director who wants to make this an issue and wants to make this a fireable offense. All I did was grab my laptop and go, name me a school, any school, do it now. And showed them that what they were asking, no one else was doing. 
to the point where my football coach had no clue that I was being reprimanded at that time. And he had to bust through the door and ask, what the hell are you guys doing? And it's all because we have these eggheads who are told, let's make new rules, enforce rules, four rules, and then make up the rules as they go along, even though nobody's going to apply them. I mean, okay. the one thing that I've noticed for the NCAA, ever since Miles Brand died, he was the last person as NCAA president who I would consider, if you were doing like the Godfather terms, he was literally like Don Corleone. Because you, yeah, you did not want to mess had, around when he was there. But you also had 10 million uh, rules that came out after his passing. Exactly. Exactly. The that book, was went, uh, the book went from uh, the book went from 180 pages to 700 pages. Trust me, I was around having to take that test and mm, having I'm to put bad. tabs, having to put tabs on my book just to keep track on the BS that was coming out. And then all of a sudden, another another uh, another uh, amendment every three weeks was coming out because someone else came up with a hypothetical. And Warren to make uh, just to make themselves important. That's why for Mark Emmert and now the new president, with them making their amendments, and you're seeing these different violations that are coming out, but you're seeing that they're doing the investigations three to four years after the fact, and it's just like. I understand you want to try to be kind of a judge and jury, but with doing so, if they're not going to try to make a difference or even just be like, hey, we need to get this taken care of now. Instead, you're seeing the investigations take three or four years to where the people who were there at the time, they're not even punished. Or 12, like in the University of Miami's case. 12 yeah. years, 12 years before they finally said, oh, well, we really didn't find much. And it really wasn't their fault because it was actually a booster who turns out was a Ponzi scheme, uh, you know, a con artist mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. university approved. So it wasn't really the athletic department's fault. But anyway, uh, uh, I mean, come on, 12 years before they decided on that and then said, oh, we're going to make you miss one more bowl game. They missed three. How many more did they have to miss? Now, keep this in mind. The only reason why that lasted as long as it did was University of Miami did not have, was not financially solvent enough to sue the same way how Tennessee this past week Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and UVA got got their attorney generals. To sue the NCAA for an NAIL uh, for an NIL of uh, violations that made no sense mm-hmm. because yep. the rules were not clear, and now you're ma- and now you're punishing people retrospectively over something that now's the rule, but that wasn't the rule then, mm-hmm. and still what you're saying is the rule can't be enforced according to 
<laughs> according to the rule of law. So explain to me why you enforce it. it it's, it's chaos. It's the chaos effect. I mean, Florida oh, State has a has a val- Florida State has a valid point right now, hey. in which hey. why are they why is there a show cause on their offensive line coach Alex Atkins, who I love to death, so I don't mind saying this. What they're doing, what they did to Alex Atkins, makes no freaking sense. All because the the some a representative from the collective happened to show up at the same restaurant that he was eating with the kid and they're saying oh no you transported the kid the the student athlete to and facilitated the meeting no the kid was putting on instagram out there where where they were going it was common knowledge what restaurant in tallahassee they were going to if the guy, or the rep from the collective wants to show up, he's a, he's his own person. He could show up. Mm-hmm. What's Alex? Oh, what is uh, Florida State supposed to do? Shut down the whole damn restaurant just to meet with a student with, with student athletes? Seriously, I mean, could you imagine Manny Diaz shutting down all the bars and in, in Tobacco Road just so he could meet with? Uh, with a with a prospective to, uh athlete a student athlete, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. I mean, if you were going to say anyone, and Manny Diaz is known for like, his parties. Yeah, but I mean, the, the only person who could have gotten away with doing something like that for Tobacco Road, let's be honest, and Bob, you can even agree with this. It would be Coach K or Dean Smith. No one else was going to get away with doing that. I don't know. Jim Valvano let some uh, sketchy people in NC State when he was there. <laughs> so, all right, fair, fair enough. Valvano, it was the Italian connection, three. man. It was that <laughs> Italian connection there. I mean, when you had people that allegedly couldn't even get four hundred on the SAT then, and you get four hundred for filling out the name part. I mean, the the problem I have, and this dates back, is back in. And I'm a big college basketball fan more than football, but. You had people in the 80s getting into school that had no business. No business whatsoever. No. And now what's happening, and and now let's go ahead and let's talk about the recruitment of high school basketball players and track stars. (laughs) What is the point? Like, seriously, they got better options going to Europe or joining the G League. And, and and seriously, what coach is gonna sit there and tell mom and dad, I know I know Johnny's good enough to make it uh to make you eighty thousand dollars in Europe, tax free by the way, but I think our collective might be able to take care of Johnny with thirty thousand dollars. <coughs> yeah, okay. You're right, hundred percent, hundred percent. And 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 technically the. And, and and understand this. I'm not against the NIL. I have as someone who who played, as someone who is around these athletes, as someone who has seen the horror stories, who who has a few horror stories to give. I am all for NIL. Rocco's gonna want to kill me, and I might be. I might. I I, I might. Uh, end up uh, with a Youngstown tune-up in the morning, but I hate 
collectives. Okay. And, and, and I know hate's a strong word. And if it's a bad word on this program, I'm sorry. I know it's a family program, but I hate collectives because the kids are coming saying, how much am I going to get? They're no longer asking, uh, what style are you, uh, what style do you teach in, in film room? Do you have my or, major? Uh, no, no, no. We're not even going into right, that. Right, 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 I, right. Not, No, 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 no. Come on. They're all taking Swahili. <laughs> They're all learning Swahili. Swahili is too okay. advanced. Basket weaving. Okay. I mean, uh, serious, uh, seriously. Yeah. Interdisciplinary studies. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, like seriously, toilet paper degrees that are not even good enough to work at Best Buy or Walmart. Unless you're the, uh, unless you're working the self checkout, uh, and I'm still waiting my W two on that. But I, I, in all seriousness, they're not asking how is this, how are you going to make me a better athlete, or how do I fit in in your dime package, or uh, coach, you're running. You're running the ball 30 times, you know, you're handing off the ball 30, 40 times a game. I'm a wide out. Where do I fit in if you're handing off the ball 30, 40 times? Do you, do, am I the guy who's supposed to stretch the field for you? Am I the decoy? Or am I a viable option in your, in your offensive scheme? They're not asking those questions. They're asking how much are you going to pay me? And that is a humongous problem and that is why i hate collectives i don't hate the people who work and represent collectives don't get me wrong rocco i love you don't kill me <laughs> I, I i know he'll probably i know he'll probably not buy me lunch next time he sees me <laughs> he'll make me buy my own lunch next time but no in all seriousness it's the fact that these kids already have their handout before they've earned anything is the problem. Now, in the ask, in the grand scheme of things, in in college basketball with AAU being so prevalent, I was I was just talking about this with Alan that they're you know, in some cases these kids are doing 6, 7, 8 games in a weekend and they're not working on fundamentals. That's why the European players are coming in, and they're they're uh, they're gang stoppers. These European players are just coming in like gangbusters, man. I'm telling you, European and South Americans that are coming in, and look at the Gasol brothers. Look at the kid who's playing for the Miami Heat now. I mean, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Uh, look at Jokic. Look at Jokic. Look at uh, Luca. Yep. Look at Luca with the oh, oh I mean seriously it's happening across the board. I mean it, it's Tony Parker. Mm -hmm. Look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard got drafted by the Spurs, got sent to Europe and then came back and he turned into a phenom. Pop, I think uh, uh, not because he's an Air Force grad and not just because he coached at Air Force but Popovich is the master of getting a guy fresh out of college and telling him, hey, don't worry. 
We're just going to send you to Europe to fine-tune you. I mean, now is when you're starting to see the Miami Heat figure that out. Because, you know, you uh, they have that Greek connection with the Greek League. Mm -hmm. But it's happening. It, it's mm -hmm. happening. They're sending – uh, you know, you got to understand it, that, that – that the quality of player is hap is coming from there because they're practicing and they're fine working their fine tune skills. I mean, it's a yes, it's a longer season than the college uh, than the college season, but they're actually fine tuning their their craft, right? And making eighty to a hundred a grand while they're at it. Whereas if they go to work a play. If they go to play for the G League, I think they're ma uh, they're making a little bit more than that, but they got to be drafted by a G League developmental team for their developmental uh, spots, because they, I think they're only uh, each team is only allowed two developmental spots, and then there's that one that's all developmental. But at the end of the day, yeah. I, I just and then let's talk about soccer. The world, the world sport. All right. How many kids in the U.S. have gone to Europe and have made a career before they even hit 20? The majority of them. If they're good, they're not playing college soccer. I, try, I, I had this conversation a year ago. When I uh, with uh, a bunch of parents down in Miami, uh, because my family's from down there, and my my nephew's on a travel team, and the coach was lying, uh, you know, the travel team coach was lying to these people, and my dad's like, "Listen, if anybody knows about college, my son does. Have any questions? Ask him." All of a sudden, all these, uh, all the, oh yeah, because my kid's gonna make it in college, uh, gonna get a college scholarship, and I go, "Where? There's only twenty six fully funded soccer men's soccer programs in the country 26 and if you look at their rosters they're mostly european players so tell me where's your kid going to land is he that elite that is he really elite that he's that uh, because the kids that are really elite they're already they're already getting uh, drafted to go, uh, being picked up to go to academies in Europe. Mm -hmm. Travel ball, whether it's travel volleyball, travel soccer, travel uh, travel basketball, travel baseball, is the new country club. And you see it, man. You see these people when they tailgate. They show up with their Escalades and their Blackstones and they're going ahead and they're making, uh, you know, they're tailgating before the whole uh, the whole tournament and they're out there and they're staying at the nice hotels and this and I mean, they're spending $50,000 a year chasing the ball around. They could have paid the kids education with $50,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. They're chasing the wrong bag. Well, and to the, your point too, not everybody who's playing travel ball is a Division One athlete. Oh I mean, come on, that's it's pay for you're paying for participation. But mom and dad think that everybody that their kids a D one athlete. 
And, you know, I'm not in the know that much, but I mean, I've got friends around here that coach high school or division three college. And some of the division three colleges could tell you they couldn't even play for us. And that's not high level D3. That's the mid level D3. That's not making the NCAA tournament type thing. So, but you can play D1. Okay. Bob, I live 20 minutes away from Mount Union. Okay. You know how many, uh, you know how many times they got kids that are saying, oh no, I'm going to make it out to the team. And they're like, uh, here? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you ain't making it out to the RT. You could come out for the tryout. <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> and we'll see, but you, <laughs> I only got 11 <laughs> spots left. <laughs> And those 11 spots are for the scout team. Yeah, I believe it. And, so, and, and kudos to Mount Union for winning their 16th straight OAC women's basketball tournament, uh, women's uh, basketball uh, uh, conference title. I just, I just don't think people grasp what it takes to be, and I'm not a college athlete. I never was, but I just don't think people grasp the what it takes for little Johnny or little Sally to play college athletics. Even at a, and I say division, even at a division three. I love division three, but dude, even at an NAI. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're exactly right, exactly right. And, and this yeah. is what I tell people: only seven percent, seven percent of all student of all high school student athletes actually get to play at the next level. Right. I didn't say which level. I just said next level. <laughs> okay. So are you better than the other 93% of the country? Are you outworking them? Are you that talented that you don't need to need to live, breathe that sport? to be better than the other 93%? Because if not, also, do you love this sport? And and it's not just to, and, I, and, and let's not get it twisted. I am, as someone who was very successful as a high school coach, I was blessed. But I was also taught by a master of his craft. Okay. Uh, Bob, you probably don't know this. I coached at Miami Booker T. Washington Senior High. Okay. Uh, they did all right. They We went 67-7 and seven in five years when I was the offensive coordinator. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Exactly. I went 12-2 I went and two as a head coach and won another state title there, so I got four titles to my name. No, nothing out of this world. Uh, but at the end of the day, we forced those kids to stay out of trouble. How do we do that? We made linemen join the wrestling team during the offseason. We had uh, we had wide receivers and DBs uh, playing soccer. Yes, soccer. They were on the scout team. They weren't all that good. Trust me, it was ugly. It was ugly. But they were moving around on the field, working on their stamina. As soon as that was over, they were on the track team. Everybody was on the track team. We had the Fat Man 100. And trust me, that was fun to watch. Okay? And other schools were doing it too. Why? It kept kids out of trouble. 
It kept them academically eligible, and it made them a better player and a better teammate too. It made them a better teammate because now they're grinding through an entire year. And honestly, it wasn't meant for everybody. We had a lot of guys that they said, hey, coach, I love football, but I'm not into this whole thing where I want to do this all year round. That's fine. But that's not what's going to get you to that next level. You understand it? And if they understood that, we were good with it. But if they, uh, there were some uh, some parents like, oh, I'm going to just transfer Johnny out. Have fun. No one's stopping you. No one's stopping you. Not everybody gets to play at the state semifinal in the state championship game every year. Not everybody's play, uh, coaching to then lose in the state championship and as they're getting back, as they're getting back to the parking lot, the car's on fire. Trust me, I, I'm still bitter about that shit. I love that Jeep. I miss my, I miss that Jeep. <laughs> but you know, it, it's one of those things, man. I mean, it, it, you gotta live, you gotta live in a way. Uh, you gotta hope that that kid really loves mm-hmm. athletics, because that whole. We're now going to do football all year round. I never am for it. I'm never going to be for it. I hate it. That's ostracizing the kid. You know, where all of a sudden it goes from tackle football to seven on seven, from seven on seven, from seven on seven to all-star seven on seven, from all-star seven on seven, back to camp, uh, getting ready for camp after getting ready for camps. Then you're actually into padded camps. After padded camps, we're going into fall camp. After fall camp, we're back in season. Alan, you live in uh, you live in the state that does that. So it's bothering me about both are in Virginia. Uh, you both so, live yeah. in Virginia, where where they they literally come July, those kids are already in fall camp. After fall camp, oh, yeah. they got season. After season, they're. Uh, they get Christmas off if they didn't make it to the playoffs. If they uh, if they made it to the playoffs, good for them. Playoffs ends two weeks before Christmas. After Christmas, they're already talking about spring oh, spring seven on seven, which is high school, which is still with their high school teams. Yep. After that, uh, after spring break, now it's the club seven on seven. Club seven on seven goes all the way to about early June. After early June, now you got the. Now you got padded camps, and you you got the kid going to all these padded camps, whether he's a lineman or a DB or a linebacker or a wide receiver. Now all of a sudden you got padded camps and quarterback camps and receiver camps and speed camps and this, that, the other. So then what? The kid all of a sudden, you think he's catching his breath? No, bam, now you got after 4th of July came around, now they're back into fall camp mode. Yeah, Bob is a... Uh... Very, very up to date with high school sports. So uh, I know that as you were talking about all that, Bob brought back some memories, didn't it, Bob? Bob's a fan of playing multiple sports too, and you know, I don't, I don't see the disadvantage in playing uh, multiple sports over it weighing. I don't see that being a disadvantage over what you said, you know, basically 12 months of football. I personally, it, it makes no sense. It makes some no sense. That will disagree with me, but I ain't one of them. I don't I'll tell you what, myself. I'll tell you what, I sucked as a basketball player. In <laughs> fact, when the coach put me in most of the time, it was just to foul someone really hard. Okay. 
I wasn't allowed to shoot the ball outside the paint. I'll put it to you that way. If I had one foot outside the paint and I took a shot, I better make it. Otherwise, I'm sitting my ass right back in the tent, <laughs> at the end of the bench. All right? Guarding that water. But I'll tell you what, man. Playing basketball helped me study my body on catching the ball at its highest peak. Sounds stupid, but that's how I was. I was able to go ahead and study how to get the ball at the at its highest peak. And that transitioned into football. I was a pole vaulter. So I worked on I worked on my craft on how to launch. Not necessarily having a zigzag or anything during the route, but just how to launch. And the whole thing about a tight end is how can you launch? And that was the whole thing. And I, that was first, those first eight yards are so crucial for a wide receiver and launching and making sure you could stand, keep that speed up is great. And that's, I mean, I must've run 140s a day when I practice uh, pole vaulting. And that's something that you have to practice even during the football season. Otherwise you, otherwise you ain't pole vaulting. Or you ain't much of one. Makes sense. Uh, one last thing I wanted to make sure we talk about for a few minutes was uh, I saw that they were talking about upping the uh, playoff in 2026 just after we got to the 12 teams. So uh, you want to explain a little bit more about that, Andre? So right now, Division Three has 24 teams making it into the playoffs. Division two has 24 teams going into the playoffs. Division one FCS has 24 teams going into the playoffs. And it's very successful. When they came up with the 12 team format, they did the wording in such that only the automatic qualifiers were safe. Who are those automatic qualifiers? They only they only consider five teams are automatic qualifiers. In other words, the conference champions of the P four conferences, and then the the next one is a qual is a group of five conference champion who is the highest ranked group of five conference champion leaving the other seven spots to the highest ranked uh, individuals according to a committee notice they didn't leave a whole lot of verbiage for the group of five and they didn't leave any ver uh, any verbiage at all for those independent schools such as Notre Dame they didn't promise Notre Dame a spot no more so what has happened is there's a push of saying, okay, let's make it 16 teams, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to uh, we're gonna renege on this five and seven deal, and we're going to do 16 teams, okay? What do they mean by 16 teams? Well, that means eight teams are 
division champions within the P4 conferences. Okay? That, that constitutes for eight teams there. Then it leaves five teams for the group of five conference champions. Okay? So now you got 13 teams accounted for, leaving the other three teams at large entries that are the highest ranked teams. That's the proposal that's getting a push right now for the 2026 season. But there's nothing in writing, but that's what the group of that's, that's what they're trying to push for because right now the group of five has nothing to, nothing to really bank on. Think about it. If you're a Mac school, you play uh, most of most Mac schools play two, maybe three non-conference teams in the P4. So they're already starting off 0-3. They already got three losses. Let's say they have a miraculous year and they do awesome and they only have a three-loss season. How could they possibly be ranked higher than a P4 school who's a non-conference champion like a Penn State? who wasn't a, a division champion and wasn't a conference champion. They were right behind Ohio State. And they were – and Ohio State was right behind Michigan. So you, all of a sudden you had a log jam on that side – on that on that division. Meanwhile, Iowa was all by – Iowa and Missouri – I mean, not Iowa. Missouri and uh, – was it Iowa? Yeah, it was Iowa. It was because Iowa. It was Iowa because everybody's making fun of the fact that they had still had to fire uh, Brian uh, Ferretz, even though mm-hmm. he had a ten, uh, even though he had an eight win or nine win season, uh, and that was that was a stipulation in his contract. By the way, never in the history mm-hmm. of uh, of college football was there a stipulation on an offensive coordinator <laughs> to have to win games, but uh, apparently mm-hmm. there was, and they still fired the guy. So, uh, long story short. All of a sudden, you have Penn State, who had a very good a, a very good season this past year, but they were outside looking in because they didn't win their conference and they didn't win their division. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now, and, and and let's face reality. Let, let, let's let, let let's let's call it for what it is. Eventually, there's going to be a split in FBS. There has to be because the bowl games. This is the first year it was prevalent that the bowl games were unwatchable. And the transfer portal is only going to continue. And kids are still are still going to transfer before the bowl game. So, oh, yeah. with that being said, why keep the bowl or the bowl season? So if they get rid of the bowl season, they're going to have to go ahead and make sure that they give the group of five something to play for. So why not just go ahead and start your own league? Split division one. And let's face mm-hmm. reality, and, and let's not get it twisted. Not every school deserves to be division one. I'm, I work for a couple of them that 
they should be relegated. If you ask me, I mean, there's a school in Miami. They're in the Erector Sex Stadium, and and still, to this day, they 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 got ways to go in funding that football program. And honestly, I have an argument. I think there's an argument to be made that they don't belong in FBS. They would thrive better as an FBS school. But what do I know? I just used to coach football. I mean, uh, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. So, I mean, I'm not sure what I know either, but we'll just have to wait and see about that. Uh, that being said, Bob, do you have any questions for Andre? I think Andre has nailed it, hit it out of the park. Thank you. I know I'm long-winded, yeah. so I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> all right. It's all right. But no, I mean, that was why this is something that me and Bob had talked about before we were trying to figure out the different, like you said, levels of recruiting and just seeing how it is. So, I mean, this is something that I feel is important for us to not only understand, but we can use that just coming into after how basketball is going to be and then just watching how the rest of the year is going to go. And besides, remember, we got the spring game coming up and then the transfer portal is going to open up there right after that. So, I mean, you're going to be able to see which teams are going to have which players and then who's going to use that game film and possibly go somewhere else. So, so uh, let let me let me reiterate, game film that's traded is now uh, so in college football there's open exchange, open exchange mm-hmm. for all of Division One. That means from FBS, but you know the P P four all the way to the Pioneer League and Ivy League, they all have to share with each other. Okay. With that being said. Only actual intercollegiate games are traded, not spring games. Okay. A spring game does not get traded. That is, that's a faux. That's a that's a misnomer. Now, granted, there you know if you go to the Longhorn Neck Network every spring, they're showing the, you know they're showing the Texas Longhorn spring game, and if you go to the SEC Network you'll see five or six spring games on rotation because they're going to show everybody's spring game. The same thing in the ACC network and the big 10 network. And yes, technically those games are, are going to be available as much as what was broadcasted. Not necessarily. Is it the all 22 where you see all 22 players on the field? You don't get a wide and a tight. You don't get to see how the kid comes off, uh, 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 unless he's a lineman. You don't. You're not going to really see if that kid, how that kid got separation up as a wide receiver. You're not going. It, it's not the same. It's press box it's, film it's, essentially is what we're we're talking about. Eye in the sky, not the okay, good year Right? No. Okay. So, uh, eye in the sky for me is press box, but not uh, not broadcast. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So broadcast. Oh, so broadcast actually is not from the fifty. Everybody. Uh, everybody thinks it's from the fifty. No, 
the fifties doing what's called uh, the hero view, the hero view. In other words, it's following the ball. Right. Whereas there are two cameras on each 35 and they're getting each side of the ball. Yep. Whereas for coaching film uh, right now, the standard is a, a four camera setup for coaching film. So right now you have the all 22 from the 50 getting all 22 players. Then you have a camera that is aiming right at the scoreboard at all times. Mm -hmm. Now, some schools, because of economic reasons, the guy at the 50 has to turn and get the scoreboard and count his three Mississippis to see if it's a running clock or not. And then turn right back to the 50 to get to the, to the huddle. But some other schools, they go ahead and they have a school fixated on the on a on a on a good scoreboard. Sometimes it's the it's the ribbon scoreboard mm-hmm. because that one doesn't turn off. Uh, but basically, to see if it's a running clock and this that the other, and they'll just go ahead and hit hit record one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, hit stop, and now they're uh, and now okay, they broke the huddle. I'm I gotta start recording. If they're just doing sugar a uh, sugar huddle. Someone like myself would start record. Oh, we'll keep recording that whole time. I rather edit and cut out because I could take out. I can't put back in. I can't ask them to go ahead and, and, and reenact that play. So there's that. Then there's the other two cameras, which is the end zone wide and the end zone tight. The end zone wide is getting sideline to sideline. And it's, and it's to see how deep the routes go. It's to see how deep the, the DBs are going, the whole nine yards. And then there is uh, the end zone tight, which is hash mark to hash mark or tackle to tackle, about three yards from each side of the tackles. All right. Now, some schools with a little bit more money and, and a, a better facility, they have the same thing going on the other side. They'll have an end zone wide and end zone tight on the other side as well, because coaches like to see their off uh, their offensive or defensive backs. So if they're the defense, they want to see their backs, their own team's backs. They don't want to see the uh, opposition backs. But that's uh, in, in games, that's not always going to happen. But the game film we're talking traded is twenty two. You're seeing twenty two guys. So the game film that's typically traded is uh-huh. four angles. Okay. When I when I trade film, it, it's cut for it's cut in four angles. It starts with the scoreboard, okay, to see if it's a running clock or not. To also see the down and distance, even if it's not right, it's to help. Uh, it's to help with the play by play or the scenario. Then there is the all twenty two, mm-hmm. where you're seeing it, kind of like ants on the field, and then you go ahead and you go. End zone tight, and then end zone wide. And where'd you say end zone tight and end zone wide are shot from? What yard line? Uh, no, they're shot from the end zone up okay. on the scoreboard. So they're from the they're from the back of the end zone. They're from the back of the end okay. zone. I got zone. you. Like, so if you were to go to UT Chattanooga, which is not <laughs> far from you guys, or actually both of you guys would know this stadium. Uh, at the uh, if you're at the horseshoe, at the top of the horseshoe. When you see that, uh, when you see the American flag, if you look straight up ahead at the uh, high, uh, just at the, about the same height of the top of the American flag, you'll see a concrete box. In that concrete box, there's 
there's six cameras. Four of them are coaching film. Two of them are broadcast. That's good info. I appreciate that. Yeah. If you go to Duke's stadium, Duke stadium actually has, uh, has what's called PTZ camera on one end because they don't have it manned. It's actually uh, robotic. They got two cameras on these poles and they're robotically going ahead and following it from, uh, from inside an office on one end zone on the other end zone, they're manned. And the NFL right now, they're tr- uh, with these, with these stadiums and everything. When they're designing the stadium, these new stadiums, they're designing them with PTZ cameras, where normally cameramen would be. Yeah, I mean, definitely did not realize about all those cameras and uh, also the location. Okay. Yeah, I mean, all right. Make sure you and, took and, and now you got okay. and now now they're uh, now they just approved a uh, video or replay on the sidelines mm-hmm. and uh, helmet communications in the ACC. What yeah, does that look cool. like? What does that look like? I don't know. Uh, I think uh, what I think they're going to try to follow the NFL model. Uh, whereas in the NFL, after 25 seconds, uh, 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 20, when it's when there's 25 seconds left in the clock, you know, or when they break their huddle, the the headsets co- uh, get cut off, and only the co- uh, only the quarterback hears the coach, mm-hmm. uh, and they got someone who literally is on the who's literally waiting for the uh, waiting to cut it off. They literally have an official who cuts it off. Uh, and what they do what's called still shot on the tablets. So when you see those surface tablets that uh, mm-hmm. you saw Brady like to throw around or uh, or uh, what's his name who used to be the offensive coordinator for uh, for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, Ken Dorsey. Kenny Dorsey, yeah, the, the Hall of Fame Heisman winner. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, they're seeing on those tablets what's called still shot. So at the 50-yard line, they have a camera, an actual like a Nikon camera or something, and they're they're taking pictures, no more than 24 pictures of a play. And you can see the progression. You're literally swiping to see the progression of the play. Uh they want to switch that to actual replay like the USFL and the XFL was doing. Uh, there was a lot. Uh, I was with the USFL last year. If you didn't know this, we were having problems with that crap all the time. It doesn't always work. It's not a perfect science. I know that in some Texas schools, you see the guy, you see a coach with this 85-inch monitor, you know, TV on the side, and they're showing – they're showing things and whatnot. That's cool, but that doesn't happen everywhere. <clears throat> and you're talking about much smaller stadiums. We're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, CDM, uh, CDMA frequencies. We're talking about RF frequencies interfering, and it's it's nuts. And keep in mind, when I go to a stadium with uh, Youngstown State or with any school, I have to have 
a meeting the day before to see what frequencies they'll let me run just for the headsets so I could talk to the other filmers just to make sure everything's good. It's nuts. Well, I mean, uh, Bob, I think that you and me have a lot of studying to do before next week. So, yep. yeah, I, uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on the show. It was really, a, uh, really a privilege uh, to talk about this and just kind of let me take over the show for a day. I'm sorry. We appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I like do. I said, hey, hey, no, I do too, because I mean. This is something that me people. and Bob have talked about for literally at the end of the football season. We were trying to figure out about this. And so to be able to have you come on and explain it, we really appreciated it. Uh, Bob, I do have to – I am going to break away for a moment from college sports only because, Bob, I know that you're a, a diehard Yankee fan. And I know that you – are not very uh, friendly with the Boston Red Sox. Is that fair to say? That is perfectly fair to say. Okay. So you know that uh, Tim Wakefield unfortunately <clears throat> passed away about five months ago. Yep. I don't know if you heard this today, but unfortunately his wife passed away today. Yep. So, I mean, I feel for those kids just because, well, Within five months, you lost both your parents, and I appreciated his mark that he left on sports, and just I feel for his family, and I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that just because that it goes beyond sports because you want to focus on your family, and just thinking that they had two young kids, and now they don't have parents. It just, it's tragic. It's, it's, I think tragic's the best word to put. I wanted to make sure I mentioned about that though, just because that's, we always appreciate college sports and the impact that they have. But when you see about how different people are successful and make it to the next level, and then make a huge impact there. And then to hear something like that, it's a shame. I know that uh, there was also a Colorado, I think it was, there was a college football player who passed away last week as well. I don't know if you saw, either of you saw that. So it sounds... I unfortunately, uh, I know of a lot of, unfortunately, a few people who uh, unfortunately passed away recently. So I, I can sympathize, but uh, I, I can't keep track of of people I don't know. I apologize. Uh, That's okay. I could say I, I could say it's sad. Uh, it, it's sad when uh, uh, kids lose their fam, uh, you know, kids lose their parents and whatnot. Uh, or or people lose a loved one. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I to this day, uh, I, it's going to sound crazy as hell, but uh, but more than anything, the one that still affects me is uh, Dan Weldon when he passed away. He was a, for those who yes. don't know, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, he was a race car driver for, uh, he was a race car driver who used to race for Chip Ganassi racing. And, uh, I used to live in the same building with Scott Dixon when I lived in Miami and Scott was this, uh, Scott and Emma are two beautiful people, uh, who, you know, they still keep the tabs of me, (laughs) even though I live all the way over here in Ohio and. I go to, whenever I'm in Indianapolis, I go see them or whenever I'm in Miami and they happen to still be in Miami, I see them and I got to meet Dan a couple of times and he was just this energetic, loving, happy-go-lucky English dude who uh, was just fascinated uh, 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 with football. I mean, heck, he, he and Scott went to about a handful of the games that I used to coach when I was coaching high school. I mean, no one knew who the heck they were. They just knew there's this uh, this Kiwi and this Brit was on the sideline, <laughs> fascinated by inner city Miami football. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that one, that one still messes with me mm-hmm. because uh, uh, and uh, and getting to know Dario Franchitti and and all that and seeing how we almost lost him and his mm-hmm. accident. Uh, I'm a fan of, uh, of racing. Uh, but that, you know, it's one of those things that I, I I think that they go in knowing that they are playing, they are playing with fire Mm -hmm. and they are playing with God's hand, smacking them silly from time to time. Uh, but baseball, basketball, football, I, I don't I, I don't see it as the dangerous sports as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we tend to forget that uh, we you know athletes put their bodies through immense amount of of pain mm-hmm. just to, just to strive for that salary or that mm-hmm. education. And uh, you know uh, kudos to uh, the Boston Red Sox organization who, you know, when uh, Tim Wakefield passed away, they did a, an amazing send off for him. Uh, I, I, you know, it is, it, like I said, it is sad. I know mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a little weird for us to, uh, to be sad for someone we've never met, but it's, uh, it, If you appreciate sports, though, while it is sad, I mean, uh, it was one that comes to mind for me was uh, Kobe Bryant as well. But uh, no, the reason why I was making sure to mention about this was uh, Wyoming Swim and Dive. This last week, three of their members were in a car accident and passed away. Uh, their names are Troy Clark, Carson Moore, and Luke Slaver. So... That was a shame that that happened because I guess they were on their way back from meet because I guess that they had uh, different people driving around. But we'll end this on a better note, though. Have either of you heard of Kiana Christmas? Sorry. It's okay. She is a female basketball player. She recorded a quintuple double which means she got 11 points, 20 rebounds, 11 assists, 
10 steals and 10 blocks in the game. So I'd be curious to see where she's going to be recruited to just out of uh, curiosity later on because that I could that one game could definitely help her her recruiting at least a little bit. Bob, I did have one last thing for you. Uh, Sacramento State. This last week, or either last week, or week before, a guy named Matt Maschiangelo. He plays for them, and his debut, he got hit by a pitch seven times in one day. Oh God! And here's the worst part: after he was taken out after the seventh time, they had another person come in to hit for him, and they got hit. The worst part would have been if he had a foul ball hit him in the dugout. That That's really true, bad. but I mean, just seeing having a the guy get hit seven times in one game, yep. you know, he was sore after that. I mean. That's how his career is going to start. I'd like to hopefully think that it's only going to be going up from there. Either that so, or they uh, had really bad – they were facing some really bad pitchers, man. <laughs> like, seriously, I would hate to be the bullpen coach to have to answer to that. I mean, crap. I'd hate to be I the next team of- that's going to play them. No, that team's having fun. They're just, they're just going to start showing up like Barry Bonds with the – with the whole armor. <laughs> Med- medieval times. They're just going to show up with armor. Okay, it's okay. Hit it. Bam. No problem. I'm on base. <laughs> yeah, I but, used to uh, tell people, I used to tell people, mm-hmm. Barry Bonds wore more armor than uh, uh, than I've seen most catchers wear. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is and he still true. made it on base more often than anybody else mm-hmm. I know. Yes, he did. That is for sure. But no, I wanted to make sure that we uh, we got it back to a more entertaining note, even though we did want, I want to make sure that we hit some of the not as easy topics. So, Andre, if we were going to try to uh, see about you on any social media, if you no, have any. I'm, I'm a private guy. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a private guy. That's okay. I do have, I, I do have social media, but it's only for friends and family. Uh, Good for you. At the end of the day, <laughs> I'm not required to share that with any recruits or anything, and I don't plan on it, man. Okay, that that is perfectly fine. I just uh, one thing I always do when uh, I get it. Come I, on. I get it. Now, uh, unlike unlike you, uh, Bob, if we do make the mistake of trying to find out more information for you, what's the best place to look? Uh, stay away from everything except for the X, formerly known as Twitter, the Sports Buffet. All because right. I will not check anything else, people. So if you send me stuff or if you watch anything elsewhere, it probably ain't me. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I, I know I'm one of the few, like uh, Andre would say, uh, I can get a hold of you outside of the X. But I do know that that is where you normally uh, do a lot of posting. Yep. For me, I I am on X, even though it's been about six months since I've posted on there, so i got to work on that at Allen F. West. But if you were going to try to find me, I am on Instagram or Facebook at allen.west.46. But 
fellas. I appreciate the time. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your weeks. And Andre, thanks for uh, making time so that you could explain all that to us. We really appreciate it, sir. It was a pleasure. But, uh, you all have a good one. You too, Andre. Appreciate absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been a top 25 rundown. Have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.